Hello, and welcome to another edition of Community Conversations. My name is Jim Storer. I'm the founder of the Community Roundtable, and I am joined today by my capable co-host, Shannon Abram. Shannon? Good morning, Jim. We are so excited to have two members of the award-winning Esri community team with us here today. Good morning, Esri team. Good morning. Good morning. I would love if you could take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Esri for anyone who might not know, and then the kind of community or communities you work with at Esri. Definitely. I can kick things off here. Hi, my name is Brianna Etley. I'm a community manager with a focus on engagement and content for Esri community. I I'm up in the Bay Area, so I live in lovely San Francisco. Thanks, Bree. And I'm Michelle Mathias. I'm the manager of community experience and programs at Esri, and I am in the Mid-Atlantic area, so it's cold here today. A little background on Esri and Esri community. So Esri's the global market leader in geographic information systems, otherwise known as GIS, also location intelligence and mapping software. And since 1969, we have supported customers with the geographic science and geospatial analytics. We have business and government leaders around the world that apply our technology to understand and address important challenges such as climate change, supply chain resilience, public health, and social equity. Our customers' work is the inspiration for everything we do at Esri. Esri Community is our customer support community platform built on Foro Software. It is an external community, and it's a place where our customers can connect with each other, with staff, ask questions, and share product ideas and collaborate to solve problems using GIS. I have to say, I am a bit of an Esri super fan. So it just we've worked with Esri for a long time, and I am the kind of person now who anytime you're booking a COVID vaccine, I'm like, Esri, Esri made those maps. I know those people. And my husband is like, you don't. And I'm like, they're my clients. And I get so excited. It's just so exciting to see your technology in the wild. Well, we'd love to hear that. (laughs) We're very proud of our technology and what it does for so many businesses and government agencies around the globe. So I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about the Community Leadership Award you won recently for Outstanding Advocacy Program. And this was really recognizing the work that you did to develop and grow your MVP program at Esri. Could you tell us a little bit more about that program and kind of how it supports the customer support community that you run? Absolutely, Jim. But first and foremost, my team and I would like to thank the Community Roundtable community and everyone who ever who voted as a community for this award. It's such an honor. We are very honored to be here. Amazing. A little bit about our program. So it started back in 2014. It has evolved over the years. And Esri Community's MVP program currently includes 53 elite members, just 0.02% of all of the active accounts in our community. So they're a very small group of people. These elite members and other top contributors have to follow and meet the criteria in order to be, a specific criteria in order to be an Esri Community MVP, which is evaluated on an annual basis. Community members can be invited into the group either by winning one of the top three spots in our rising star category of our annual community contest. If they hit that spot, then we offer them an invite into the MVP program, and some choose to take that, and some don't want that pressure, so they they don't. Or we can have referrals from either other community members or staff members. And then we also do kind of a activity every six months to a year looking at data to see who might be coming up to that top level that we might want to reach out to. So we have a little discretion on the community team. But once they've accepted the offer, we invite them into our private 
user group just for the MVPs and the Esri community team. And yeah, that's that's how we get them kicked off. A little bit about MVP program growth and outcomes. So it sounds like it was an easy process to create our MVP program, but that certainly wasn't the case. In 2016, activity in the Esri community platform had reached a standstill and members of the community were not as engaged as they were before. So we knew had, we had to reassess some of our programs and goals, and one of those was the MVP program. As part of our re-engagement initiative, Esri set a goal to build a community team and a strategy to enhance and grow Esri community. A part of the strategy was to revamp the, our MVP or advocacy program. MVPs were interviewed for feedback, and then a reoccurring question was, is Esri invested in community anymore? So eight years later, and the trust and dedication initiated a positive impact across the entire community. And I'm going to turn it over to Bree to talk a little bit more specifically about some of our stats and goals. I definitely wanted to, to chime in here and, and touch on a few of those kind of MVP positive impacts, especially from 2022. So Esri Community MVPs had supplied 22% of all 6,300 posts marked as accepted solutions on community questions. And, and from the start of the MVP program, MVPs have contributed more than 14,000 accepted solutions. So, you know, these are these are pretty high numbers for such a small group. And with our goals in mind, we're continuously evolving and changing. And every year we discuss as a team how we can continue to grow this program and ask our MVPs for that general feedback. So with both of those in mind, what we're currently doing and what we've done this past year with our MVPs is we give them advanced permissions and coros. And we have a private space and community where they can interact with each other and, and Esri community admins as well. We also plan quarterly MVP meetings with Esri product managers. So this gives our MVPs direct access to our teams and gives them the opportunity to give feedback on new product releases and updates uh, and so forth. We also host in-person get-togethers for MVPs attending various Esri conferences. We also try to give them as much public recognition as we can. So this past Esri user conference, which hosted about, I think it was around like 30,000 attendees, we had the opportunity to recognize our MVPs during this event by displaying our top MVPs on a wall that was shown in a high traffic area. And also during the closing ceremony at the conference, we also had three of our top MVPs being recognized for winning the elite level in our annual Esri Community Contest. And just a, a few other areas, we also had the beginning of the year, we published a public letter and the community blog thanking our MVPs for their continuous contributions, which, which got a lot of attention. I mentioned we, we do an annual MVP feedback survey. One of the main reasons why we do this is, you know, we just ask them what they'd like to see in future MVP meetings, what we can improve in, as well as what they'd like to see us do that, that's new. And we also do monthly member spotlights and we've been able to interview and produce two MVP stories with the series. So it, yeah, it's just, it's great to give them that recognition and have other members see how our MVPs got started in the GIS field and, and the success they've built along the way. Wow. You guys really have done a lot with that program. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be saying, wow, you won the award, but in general, it's really inspiring to hear about the depth and breadth you've gone to with this program. You talked about how Esri is recognizing the MVPs and the different ways you're doing that. How involved are people that are not part of the community team? How involved are they in the MVP program? So one of the things that Brie mentioned that we do for our MVPs are these quarterly meetings. So what we do is we ask them who from the Esri software product team would they like to hear from or talk to or get more in depth with. So we are continually reaching out to our product teams 
inviting them into these conversations with the MVPs. And it ends up being a win-win because they gain insights that they didn't even know were out there and the MVPs get to dig deeper into areas of interest for them. So so we, we are engaging with the product teams fairly regularly to bring their knowledge closer to the MVPs. Yeah. And, and I'd also say, I'd mentioned that we do those MVP feedback surveys. So this is a, a great way that, you know, we kind of see what they're interested in, what they want to hear from. And it also too, a lot of our folks are not really aware of our MVPs and the program that, that we run. So exposing them to our internal staff as well is great. It kind of gives them that extra level of, of recognition as well. So yeah, I would say these quarterly meetings are something that we really focus on and prioritize. Just like Michelle mentioned, it's it's a win-win on, on both ends. And one thing, we mentioned the thank you letter we sent out to the MVPs in the community at the beginning of last year. We mentioned all of them, so they all were notified about it. We also sent that internally. We sent that to all of our internal members that are part of the community and asked them to go out and thank or recognize the MVPs. And we had, gosh, I don't even remember how many, but we had a lot of staff go out and give recognition to our MVPs in public in that post that was like, I think, still our most viewed and most commented on post this year. So that was one of those things. We're trying to get them more visibility. So we're thinking out of the box, how can we bring staff in more, see what these guys are doing? Well, that that kind of recognition I know goes a long way to solidifying someone's participation in a program like that. So that's great. You mentioned earlier in the podcast that you're on the Coros platform. I wonder if there are special features on that platform that are helping you with this MVP program. I think the biggest is their ability to create a role and permission set specifically for our MVPs. So we can give them a little bit higher permissions to edit more, move content, help us moderate content that a regular user doesn't have. So the Chorus platform allows us to do that. Other than that, I think, you know, we do use their ranking system and their badge system out of Coros. So we have a couple of unique badges just for the MVPs that we've applied as well. And because we have a role for them, we can align those two more easily with the platform as it is. Yeah. And I would say too, we also have a private user group for them as well. So it's a private space where we can share any updates, communicate with them, any upcoming quarterly meetings, get their feedback and a chance for them to, to kind of have that conversation between themselves as well. And one more thing I thought of, sorry, we have the ability to put a little role badge next to their names. So they are highlighted throughout the community as an MVP when they post, when they comment, they've got that little indicator that they are an MVP. So they get that recognition. And again, that was a nice feature that Coros had that we could apply. I love that so much of this is sort of turnkey. My next question was going to be, what advice do you have for someone who sort of sees this kind of success and the kind of engagement that you get from an advocacy program? What advice would you give to someone who wants to start one for their community? I think a big one is just get support. I think get support from your team managers, leadership. I think having this up front will will save you a lot of time and plan management. And it'll give you kind of that more more confidence going into starting or, or growing an advocacy program. Also, feedback is key. Always look for both internal and external feedback. I think a few other points I would say kind of right away is it's it's okay to not see success right away. Trial and error is okay, especially in these early phases of starting really any program. And lastly, if you have an idea, run with it, set your goals and and what you want to accomplish and make sure you're having check-ins with stakeholders or those who are supporting the program because yeah, transparency goes a long way. All right. Now I'd like you to get out your crystal balls and tell us a little bit about what you see in the on the horizon for the Esri community as we 
get ready to turn the page into 2024? I think we're we're definitely still looking into that crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we got a lot of fun and exciting things coming up next year. Some of that is still under wraps, but yeah, we're we're currently in the process of reevaluating our MVP criteria and, and roles, uh, setting new goals with this program for next year as well. So yeah, we're really excited to continue to see further growth and engagement from our MVPs next year. We'll also be migrating to Core's new software, Wara. So our team will be spending a lot of time next year kind of prepping for that migration. Yeah. And just to add on to that, we, we are still working on that, the fine details of our roadmap. So we have a lot of things planned, but I think the migration to Coros Aurora is going to help us with a lot of our programs and allow us to do things in the platform that we haven't been able to do before. And coming back to our advocacy program, we will reach out to our MVPs for feedback and usability testing as we go through that process. So they will be integral to our moving forward on the new version of Koros. I was just going to ask, it feels like you, you're you so lucky to have this sort of built-in group of advocates, I mean, and testers who will make sure that you, they are, I'm sure they are vocal with their feedback. So it's wonderful to sort of have them already identified as you undertake a project like that. Absolutely. They're they're very valuable in that sense. And you're right. They are very vocal. They're not afraid to tell us what doesn't work and what they don't. And, you know, given that you're planning to migrate to Aurora, I think that's a pretty big item on the roadmap. So, you know, don't beat yourselves up if you don't have a whole lot else to do. Yeah, it is. We've just started our, some of our prep and planning meetings, and it is definitely a big chunk of time and commitment. And I think it's going to take us a good portion of the year because we do have a lot of customizations in our Coros platform. So right. to kind of unwind those and redo them will be a little bit of work. Amazing. We like to wrap up with a speed round. So if you both are willing, we would love to ask you some quick questions. And I'll kick it off by asking you both if you're part of Team Dog or Team Cat. Dog. Dog, 100%. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Gosh, I like a quick answer. Um, I feel like any previous listener of the podcast knows that uh, Jim and I are both Team Dog. So... I'm not saying there's right or wrong answers. I'm just saying that cats are sneaky. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Dogs just love you. They do. I <laughs> My friend has a cat that bites him sometimes, like with no warning. And I'm like, I don't want to share my home with someone who, I mean, I have two children. I don't need more people that might bite me for no reason. <laughs> I just don't need that energy in my life. The next question is, what are you binging right now? I just finished watching Squid Games, The Challenge, (laughs) which was a great show. I think I binge watched it in just a few days. So I really like that show. Have you, I'm going to interrupt, Michelle, I'm sorry. I was going to Google it quickly, but you're near San Francisco or in San Francisco. So they might, there's a thing here in Boston called Immersive Game Box. I don't know if you like games, but it's basically like a 15 by 15 room and three of the walls are interactive. And so you play this game, like, and you have to touch the wall and there's sensors and it's this whole thing. But one of the sort of games you can play is based on squid games. And so like it it was, if you are interested in, I mean, no one does. So it's not like that. We went with a group of friends. It was just a really fun sort of like interactive thing to do if you're interested in that. Yeah, I have not heard of that. I saw something recently. It was kind of funny. It was right after I was done watching it. I got like an advertisement on my phone and it was for Squid Games in LA. It sounds like it's something similar, but it said like, do you accept yes or no? And I was like, am I, am I going to get uh, recruited into Squid Games? <laughs> but no, that, I, that's something that I would definitely enjoy. I'll have to look into it. Thanks. 
So, yeah, I just finished binge watching Lessons in Chemistry. And then we are saving up all the Slow Horses new episodes so that we can binge that probably around Christmas break time. So that's where, where I'm at. Kind of two ends of the spectrum. We're going back in time and we actually are binging the uh, newsroom right now, which if you haven't watched it, is amazing. I love that show. So we developed this speed round during the pandemic. And so one of the questions that we've asked for several years is what is your favorite work from home hack? Good one. I'm stumped. I have to think. How about what are some examples? Because I want to get creative with this answer. We spoke with someone earlier and they they talked about having a separate office from the rest of the house so that you can turn the lights off and close the door. I got a standing desk and I think I don't know how I lived without one before I had a standing desk. So that would be a work from home hack for me. I would say one might be getting a dog because Penny does not care if I'm working. Like if she needs to go out, we have to go out. And it's a really good reminder that like, yeah, we should go for a walk. And I always feel better when I come back from home. I think I can agree with that one. We definitely, we got a second dog because I was like, I'm here and I can do that. And it's, uh, it's been great. And they kind of sleep in my office during the day. And when they're ready, we go for a walk. I, I love that idea, Shannon. One of my hacks is I keep this shawl sort of scarf on my um, chair. And if I feel like I'm not dressed up enough for a meeting, I just wrap it up. Or if I'm cold, they just wrap it up. It's like my for every everything when I'm on camera, if I need something, it's there. I always have something like that available. I definitely take afternoon walks just to get some some fresh air. But something that that I do, it was more so in the pandemic, but I would switch up my desk position a lot. Right now, my desk is in the living room. So I think positioning it in different ways kind of just sets up what I'm looking at and my atmosphere a little bit differently. So makes it a little bit different walking into work when it's like five feet away. Listening to music when I'm not on a meeting is, I, I love that. I love being able to just have that in the background and it just kind of, I zone out on it, but it really helps me be more productive. We're going to keep all of them in because that's all great <laughs> advice. I feel like you can't have too much great advice. What is your favorite dessert? Cannolis. Cannolis, love it. Ooh, I would say creme brulee. Good one too. Two very solid entrants. I love those, both of those. What is your community superpower? Relationship building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, yeah, probably respect and, and transparency. They're great superpowers. No wonder you guys win so many awards. <laughs> it really was kind of the year of Esri. We don't need to go into all of it, but it was just like, it was a lot in a really wonderful way. So actually, this sort of is a great segue. Who or what is your community inspiration? You know, I think we we research lots of different programs and communities when we're trying to decide how we want to change ours up. There's not just one out there that we look to. I think as far as inspiration, that just comes from the, I think, Jack, our president and CEO of our company, you know, community as a whole is a big thing to him and our users and customers are really, really important to him. So we're kind of on the front line of working with those people and helping them do what they do. So I think that inspires us quite a bit. Yeah. I I don't think I can, I can top that. I would say Jack, definitely. (laughs) Amazing. Michelle, Brianna, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. This has been a lot of fun. And again, congratulations on the award. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thanks for having us. Thank you both.